Tell me, Raymond, have you ever killed anyone? No, ma'am. Not even in combat? In combat? Yes, ma'am, I think so. <laughs> of course you have, Raymond. Raymond has been a crack shot since childhood. Marvelous outlet for his aggressions. May I have the bayonet, please? Not with the knife, with the hands. With the hands? Here, have him use this. Ah, da, da. Raymond, whom do you dislike the least in your group here today? The least? That's right. Well, I guess Captain Markham, ma'am. Notice how he is always drawn to authority. Uh, that won't do, Raymond. We need the captain to get you your medal. Who else? Well, I guess Edna Voley, ma'am. Ah, oh, that's better. Now then, Raymond, take this scarf. And strangle Edna Voley. Uh, to death. Yes, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sarge, cut it up. <laughs> quiet, Ed, please. Now you just sit there quietly and cooperate. Yes, ma'am. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Left Unread podcast. Coming back at you. Uh, my name is Evan. I am your host, as always, and joined by my also host, Cam. As always, yeah, that's me. Hi. <laughs> What's going on, Cam? How you doing? You know, time of my life, dude. Anyway, that's not what I mean. That's not what today's episode is about. We got like a whole thing planned, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. People have already heard uh, at this point the uh, the cold open. Which is from a from a movie, an old one. I haven't heard it yet. I'm excited. I can't you will wait. hear. It. Yeah, yeah. I spoiler alert. We did it. not just listen to it, but you guys did. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, so for today's episode, uh, we're uh, we're getting to some crazy territory, but uh, you know we can uh, we can get that to that in a minute. Do you have any uh, banter? Any banter? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I just got out of class. Like I've literally had. Yep. 16 seconds to kind of collect myself a little bit uh, more than that but yeah you don't know when i got done with class yes i did because you texted me yeah six forty-five. so okay yeah yeah i guess it's a little bit longer <laughs> um i've got a coke zero which i've never had before in my life but i was okay. kind of in the mood for it and so that's pretty good um yep. I don't know, man. It looks like we're going to talk about Russia and Ukraine, so that's the only other thing that I would talk about, but I'll just like, wait and uh, yeah, you bring yeah. it up, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, we can we can just get right into it. Let's just, um, let's just diggity-dive right in. Yep. So, yeah, so one of the reasons I wanted to put this episode in here before I wrap up the uh, American Utopia series is uh, because of the ongoing war in Ukraine with Russia. Obviously, we heard... Uh, we are, you know, our last episode was with friend of the pod, Alex, uh, who is, by the way, update on Alex, uh, literally like the next day uh, after we record that podcast, the U.S. Embassy basically said, like, get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, you gotta uh, go. So he had to, um, you know, he had like 
you know, a couple more days or whatever. Uh, and, you know, it's unknown as to whether or not a new Iron Curtain is going to fall. So, you know, he kind of said goodbye to his, um, to his friends that he may never see again. Uh, including having, like, kind of like a scary incident at a bar with a Russian who wasn't happy that he and his friends were talking in English. Uh, and then he got on a bus to Finland. He made it to Helsinki. And uh, with, like, 20 minutes to spare, he sprinted onto uh, his plane and flew the, I don't know, whatever, was it, 8, 10 hours from Helsinki to Gosh, yeah, Chicago? <laughs> and then from Chicago, he went to, uh, I believe, to Providence. Um, but, yeah, you can you can hear all about that on his episode of um, the Providence Leftist Radio podcast. I highly recommend it. It's a great podcast in general. We'll um, uh, we'll and, put that in the in the show notes this week. Sure. Because yeah, yeah. That yeah, episode we can do that. was was really informative. And when yeah. we spoke to him, when you guys last heard on our show, it was a very different situation than it yeah. quickly evolved into. So yeah, because um, we we talked to him like the day after Russia invaded. Yeah. And like within just a few days, I think I think everybody was kind of shocked, obviously, at sort of the level yeah. that it was at. And then obviously, it just got so much heavier. The, si- the situation things. devolved extremely quickly. Yeah. And I, th- I think we're all kind of still, I mean, it's been like two weeks and we're all kind of just like sitting here like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a weird time to be on earth. Like this is, yeah. this is pretty strange. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so we'll put a link to that. We'll also put a link to Alex's uh, piece he wrote for Uprise Rhode Island. Uh, that was also a great piece. It, it's a lot of the same content as the episode. Um, but, you know, it's got a lot of his thoughts, you know, also on the geopolitical stage leading up to everything. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, both are great. So so we'll uh, we'll put links to that. But um, anyway, yeah, so, you know, that's the last time we talked to you. And obviously the situation, like then, there were a few things that, like, I kind of wish I had brought up then, but it was still so early into it. Um, and one of the big, thing, big things is, like, the like the massive amount of psychological operations going on in the war and this is both by nato and uh, russia both sides are really fueling these these like heavy propaganda campaigns and you know this has basically had the effect of making what's the first ground war in like this social media age counterintuitively almost impossible to actually figure out what is going on yeah it's you know it's just you're constantly being bombarded with bullshit. I think uh, that's by, like the main thing that you and I have talked about yeah. any time that it comes up between us is that like you'll send me something and I'll just be like, Yeah, cool, I don't I don't know, I guess this is true. And then you'll send me something else and be like, Yeah, this is true too. Like it's just all true. I just think all of it's real. And yeah. I, I, I I have a hard time parsing through like the um the propaganda because it's it's so aggressive from all sides yeah. in this I mean conflict. it is it is a constant barrage <coughs> it um but uh you know and i remember the, so the very first day there were reports all over twitter and the internet at large uh, of the ghost of kiev which was a ukrainian fighter pilot that had single-handedly taken out half a dozen russian jets accompanied by basically just a single short video like literally like 5 seconds of a single fighter jet flying over an alley or street. And literally the, f- the first time I saw this, I just immediately thought to myself, you know, of all of the things that are fake in this world, this is definitely one of them. Yeah. And, uh, of course, two days later, it's confirmed as literal fake news. That there was just no person like that doing anything like that. I mean, it was just, you know... There's also the story of the 13 seamen killed at Snake Island in the Black Sea after right. defiantly telling some Russian warship to fuck off. And again, just a couple days later... This is confirmed false, as the men had surrendered and had been taken prisoner, and the uh, the Ukrainian Navy confirmed this. And so, oftentimes, you know what what I think is really being shown here is that if the story around these kinds of things comes off like a movie or a TV show, perhaps that is exactly what it is. Yeah, you know, it's performative for Western audiences, gleefully clapping like seals and cheering on the people going to their deaths against a sworn enemy of capital T, the capital W West, that is half the world away, just like every fucking war has been for America since the Mexican-American War and the American Civil War. It is always someone else's problem. Mm -hmm. Even when we get involved, it's always someone else's problem because they gotta fucking live there and we fucking don't. And, you know, if there's one thing that I actually think there may be some truth to, it's and you know and it's coming from the Russian side and again with the caveat that knowing exactly what is happening is difficult. It seems like Russia has made some strategic priorities that that seemed miscalculated. 
you know, until the Russian government just this past weekend started to release documents that shed some light on these tactical decisions. Um, you know, so basically right away, I know it was reported that Russia was trying to take and then did take Chernobyl, which is the site of the most famous nuclear disaster in history outside of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then they also seized and attacked more of these power plants. Um, and there's been like a lot of reports just in general about them, uh, you know, about bio labs. But I know that there were some uh, reports that initially speculated, recklessly in my opinion, that Russia may have planned to commit some horrific nuclear attack using the power plants that they had seized as if, you know, they don't just have nuclear bombs if they wanted to go that route. Right. Um, but, you know, this would, of course, be moronic because the fallout would also harm Russia. Um but, you know, Russia had claimed that the United States has set up secret bioweapons research labs all over Ukraine, but especially hidden in, like, power plants near Russia's border, uh, including with the use of anthrax. Hey, listen! That's a spook alarm right there. And bubonic plague, and that the U.S. State Department actually instructed Ukraine to destroy all documents related to these secret labs. Well... Coincidentally, the, U the United States did, in fact, sign an agreement to research pathogens with the Ukrainian government in 2005. Uh, Barack Obama was one of the senators involved in the signing. His name's right on it. Um, but, which is, uh, it's just funny seeing him in that capacity, <laughs> you know, after, you know, his, uh, you know, eight years as president. But, you know, there was the nebulous reasoning of, quote, securing pathogen strains and sensitive biological knowledge. Also, I, I had seen claims that the State Department was removing mentions of this agreement on their website, but I can't confirm that. I never saw it on their website, so hmm. maybe, I don't know. But uh, I should stipulate that there is a difference between a biolab and a bioweapons lab. You know, the first is simply to research infectious diseases. That's normal. Every country does that. That has the capabilities to do that. Every country does that. It's fine to do that, obviously. It's a good thing. Um, the second, obviously, though, is to weaponize those pathogens. Uh, and I have no idea whether there is truth to Russia's claims. Uh, but either way, both sides do seem to be fucking concerned with these labs and who controls them. Uh, including getting to the point that the United States apparently felt the need to make press releases. I think it was today. Uh, that, hey guys, we these aren't bioweapons labs. Uh, these aren't chemical weapons labs. We are not violating Geneva Conventions. Um, which, it's sort of like one of those, like, you know, you they doth protest too much sort of situations for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah. okay, now that you've said that they're definitely not that, I definitely think they might be that. As soon as Jen, Jen Psaki tweets about something and she's just like, fact, there are no bioweapons labs. It's like, so there are bioweapons so those, labs. So there's fucking bioweapons Fuck. labs. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. Like, so there like, definitely are bioweapons labs. Okay, yeah. got it. My t-shirt that says that we definitely don't have bioweapons labs in Ukraine has a lot of people asking questions already answered by my shirt. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> but um, now you, you may be wondering to yourself, but Evan, aren't chemical and bioweapons labs outlawed since World War I? They sure are, astute listeners. Yeah. However, since the end of World War II, America has been the most powerful country on Earth, and when you basically run the show... You can pick and choose which rules you follow, and no one can call you out on it. When you see NATO in a, in an article, just read us. Yeah, and yes. that's what I love. You know, U.S. What does that spell? That's us. Yeah, it's uh, uh it's like that classic phrase about uh, NATO. Um, the real goal of NATO is not as a defensive treaty. It was to keep the Americans in Europe, the Russians out of Europe, and the Germans down in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> um. But basically, America has a long and disgusting history of using biological weapons in its wars since World War II. And so let's take a look at one of those wars right now. The Korean War. Sounds good, man. I'm ready.
Excuse me. <clears throat> Dude, it's fine. Just, you know, just let it... <coughs> all right, there we go. Um, Just let it all out. <laughs> all right, now... While I've been exploring the early history of American deep politics and the figures and events that formed the early days of the CIA and its covert wars, this will be the first episode that I really kind of go off the reservation, as it were. We've discussed CIA-backed coups, LSD experiments, and covert assassination of foreign and domestic people, as well as links between intelligence, cults, and serial killers. But today we are beginning to really adventure into the wilderness of the CIA. So please, even if you find it ridiculous, just humor me. Yeah, you guys, honestly, just do what I do every week and just humor Evan. That's not what you do. Just but. let Evan do his thing because you like him. Like, I like him. So you just got to acknowledge yourself like, hey, I like this guy. So I'm going to let him do his fucking thing because I like him. Because he's a cool fucking guy. And like, even if he seems nuts, like, just let him do his thing. Because I like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, go ahead, dude. Just <laughs> right. a little disclaimer for the listeners so that they like understand like what to yeah, do. Yeah, that that's uh that's cam to the listener. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so it's a little fourth wall breakage. Yeah. So the intro to this episode was a clip from the nineteen sixty two film The Manchurian Candidate, which is one of my favorite films of the era, despite it basically being state propaganda about the nefarious communists in Asia, unlocking the secrets of mind control and using it to create a sleeper assassin to aid in a communist takeover of the United States. It's pure Cold War, war paranoia and, like, orientalist to boot. But, you know, it's a, it's a very fucking freaky movie. However, it is based on the United States claiming that the communists had actually brainwashed captured American soldiers from the Korean War, who inexplicably claimed in front of cameras in China and North Korea that they had committed war crimes, including using biological weapons. Again, something that had been outlawed by every nation on Earth since World War I. So, to wit. He told us that our two outboard wing bombs were germ bombs to be dropped at Guangzhou at a maximum altitude of 500 feet at a maximum airspeed of 200 miles per hour. He told us that these bombs were already loaded and checked for us, that after we had dropped them, we were to get rid of the rest of our load as quickly as possible and return immediately to base. At debriefing, we were to report these bombs as ordinary duds in order to maintain secrecy. I noticed the first time that four of the wing bombs, the second time two of the wing bombs, had no fuses. Therefore, they couldn't be ordinary bombs. The germ bombs that we dropped on January 4th and the 11th corresponded exactly to one of those mentioned by Mr. Ashford just two weeks previously. Also, in discussions with the other pilots and navigators in the room where I lived, I found that several of them had also been given special measures and that the briefing officer had told them that these guts were, in fact, germ bombs. All right, so now I'm just going to go back <coughs> to the episode. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, so here we are. I, I just watched Evan's uh, <laughs> uh, little uh, pornographic clip. Um, it was interesting to see that many dicks in one video. I found that um, a little a little odd that that's what you would have me watch like mid episode, but you know, whatever. I, I guess I'm kind of a freak. Like I can, I can definitely get down. So, um, yeah. what were we talking about again? Like I, I definitely, that being said, like it's, it's amazing to me that that many guys in the same room, like can come, like they can get to that <laughs> point where they can come. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, especially while talking about, you know, dropping insect bombs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh. it's a weird, it's a weird way to get off for sure. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, as you all heard, uh, the, the man, the American prisoner of war, uh, talking is extremely lucid. Uh, he's giving a detailed account of dropping bioweapons on the Korean Peninsula during the war. And this was in 1952 uh, that Air Force and Marine bombers, a number of them, testified publicly of war crimes that they had personally committed on orders of the U.S. government. Yeah. They dropped these weapons on both China and North Korea. The compliance of the American POWs in this war to answer questions publicly on their crimes was unprecedented to that point, and still kind of is, you know? 
So, an- so uh, before we continue, so yeah. why are you so sure that these guys weren't like tortured? I mean, they may. I'm, I'm sure there, 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 of course, was torturing going on. Yeah. But these guys were definitely telling the truth. What? What? I I don't mean to like disrupt the flow of things, but what makes yeah. you so sure of that? We will be getting to that. Okay, so we will be covering like that. Okay, got it. Yes. Because oh, yes, my first thought is like I'm not, and not even that this would discredit. Anytime I play devil's advocate for the listener, yes, for the listener, uh, I generally assume that the U.S. is up to no good. Like I'm, I'm yeah. mostly on board with this shit, um, but I also like, you know, assume that other countries also are up to no good, and so like, yeah. I'm like assuming that these dudes had like bamboo slivers shoved up their fingers. I mean, dude, they're prisoners of war. They were being tortured. Every side does that. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, oh, I mean, yeah. Like, and that's I'm not I'm not putting that yeah. like at the feet of the Koreans. Like that's yeah. that's you know, standard operating procedure for capturing, you know, an Air Force yeah, pilot. It is whatever, outlawed by every country and done by every country. They all do it. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's or it's, it's likely that these guys country. were... It's outlawed by a lot of countries and it's done by every country. Um, so it's likely that these dudes were absolutely giving their testimony Some of them... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll get into the reason why <coughs> the testimony was 100% true. Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, some of the people may have been giving testimony under duress. Some of them, uh, it's pretty positive. Like, there's definitely um, some of them were not probably tortured and were pretty willing to discuss this shit, right? Like openly, like right away, like oh yeah, no, I want to talk about this. Um, some needed a little bit of pushing. Some were definitely under duress. Uh, but but we'll get into this. Okay. So, you know, in order to suppress this testimony, the United States concocted a lie. These POWs were subjected to unreal levels of torture and new communist brainwashing techniques. And what's more, to combat this communist brainwashing, it would now be paramount for the United States to unlock this secret as well. So, this is important because the United States claims, still to this day, that their uh, unethical experiments were done as a result of them coming to the knowledge that the communists were doing it. This is still to this day. Gotcha. It's a fucking lie. We we wouldn't have done it if they hadn't done it first. They were already trying Right. <coughs> so, the United States knew the confessions would be made months in advance in exposing their crimes. And so the CIA and military began a psychological campaign in, in advance to suppress the statements. And of course, once these POWs were returned, they would actually be subjected to the early stages of the CIA's mind control program once home. Dope. They weren't brainwashed then, but they were about to be. Yeah. <laughs> and so many people know about MKUltra. Which is probably the most well-known CIA program. They've admitted to it, you know. Uh, even though there will still be people, they'll be like, no, that's not real. It's like, dude, the government fucking said it was real. Yeah. And like, yeah, but that's not, that's crazy. You're crazy. You're schizo. <laughs> like, whatever. Uh, so, however, oftentimes it is used as a blanket term for all of the various PSYOP and mind control programs the CIA ran. Although they were not all under the MKUltra project. So preceding MKUltra were the projects Bluebird and Artichoke. Mm -hmm. The former began as early as the late 1940s and involved using drugs and hypnosis during interrogation. Man, that's when when World War II was going on, huh? Well, the late 1940s. Yeah, uh, so that's uh, just after World War II, huh? Yep. Um, Cool, man. Whereas the latter uh, began officially in 1951. And was intended to study if someone could become a hypnotized assassin that would kill someone against their will, or even that could be used as a patsy during an assassination, while the real assassin fired from hiding and got away, while everyone around them believed it to be the hypnotized individual. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, man. Sounds like uh, like Jack Ruby. Sounds like, uh, what's his name? Well, Killed RFK. RFK. Yeah, Sirhan Sirhan. Sirhan Sirhan. Sounds Who, like yeah, I mean, I, we <laughs> can do RFK in a future episode, but that's literally the Sirhan Sirhan one. Can I, can he, I, at this point, there was one of my favorite gags from like season one of SNL is yeah. uh, Chevy Chase when he was doing Weekend Update for that one season. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> breaking news, uh, RFK assassin Sirhan Sirhan has legally changed his name. He will now be known as Sirhan Sirhan Sirhan. Oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> But yeah, no, that is literally the Sirhan Sirhan story, where like you know, more bullets were found at the scene yeah. than could then even were fit fired in Sirhan Sirhan's gun. Sirhan's gun. Yeah. And RFK was shot from behind, but Sirhan Sirhan was in front of him, 
and also had no idea what was going on and like didn't realize that he was being arrested at first because he was you know hypnotized regardless. yeah man he was either hypnotized or pumped full of acid or something there well, was something I mean, going that's, on with that dude that's they're one in the same with the CIA. Right. The CIA, they subject people to, like, we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into this. In this episode, what, like, hypnosis means for the CIA. It's not um, just, like, waving a pendulum. No, no, no. It's not, it's not like waving a, a pendulum. A with a it is annihilating a people's minds until there's just a void and then filling it with what you want. That's what they mean when they cool. say hypnosis. I love the idea of, like, filling a dilated void. That's, like, my number one fetish, so... I thought it was being the void that is being filled. Depends who we're talking about. Like, if it's okay. you, yeah, like, fill the oh, void for sure. It, but... What the fuck? All right, anyway, so. There's not, what's, what, what, what? We've known each I'm other for so long. not filling your resulting void. We've known each other for so long. I am not why filling you your resulting void. Why can't you just acknowledge that there's chemistry? If you were the last re- resulted void on Earth, I would not fill you no matter how dilated. Um, so both, both Bluebird and, (laughs) so both Bluebird and Artichoke predate the claims of mind control by communists, as the Americans were studying it basically immediately after World War II. At this point, the U.S. was experimenting with insane and dangerous combinations of drugs and, like, obscene dosages. Like, like, to read about the amount of LSD they were giving people, these are, like, the, the heroic doses of legends and, like, this is just the normal LSD amount. Um, so they were giving people speed balls in LSD, or meth in LSD, to create lucid states. And, this and is the just speed balls, what, coke and heroin mixed together? Yeah, and they were, like, doing that in, like, the 40s uh, huh. with LSD. Uh, and then they would subject them to sleep and sensory deprivation, oftentimes in conjunction with each other and these drug cocktails. So the returning American POWs came home and were subjected to these drug combinations and hypnosis. Anyone who admitted to dropping bacteria bombs or using insect vectors that coincidentally were also used by Japan in World War II (coughs) on the populations of China and Korea were under investigation. Um, So for reference, uh, an insect vector is a type of bomb that uses an insect that spreads human diseases. So I'm going to link an bomb, is it? Like... How well, so, I mean, so that's, that's, that's the thing, like, that, that the guy was talking about in that video, yeah. where he said, I, I had this bomb and I dropped it, but it didn't explode. You know what I mean? And uh... so, like, that's what it was. So it would look like a bomb. And you can see pictures of it. I'm going to link an article. I suggest everybody read it. There's pictures where they show, the like, one of the bombs that was found, and it has these, like, chambers with insects in it. And it would drop out of the plane and hit the ground and open in these, like pestilence like infected insects would then spread among human populations okay infecting them with diseases explosive like when i think of a bomb i think explosive but they were just vessels filled with infected that would break open and release insects got it okay yeah that's why the guy said he was like you know i had these bombs and i saw them and they didn't look like normal bombs and when he dropped them he watched them hit the ground but they didn't explode that makes more sense now yeah Um, right because if it exploded and there was like fire even if it was a chemical weapon or whatever it would kind of kill everything inside there's no point in having chemical weapons in an explosion well it depends if the explosion is needed to you know aerosolize it or whatever i don't know but um you know for for the insects yeah you don't want to kill the insects so it just drops and opens i don't know you you know an awful lot about this you sure that uh you sure that you're not a cia asset dropping i'm one of i'm one of the insect vectors I could always. I knew this about you. My my body is an insect vector. I've known for a long time that you were an insect. I have uh, 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 at a, a chosen point. At a, a chosen point, my chest will burst open, and from uh, forth will sp- will spew the scarabs from like the mummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it will just consume everybody. Um, anybody who doesn't have a what is it tr- trichophobia or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Evans Evans a walking human hive. Yeah. It's the idea uh, like you're afraid of there being holes in your body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Absolutely, uh, dude, so, no problem. So back to the POWs. Yeah. So fully seventy percent of the American POWs in the war would sign confessions or petitions calling for an end to the war. Fifteen percent, fifteen fucking percent of POWs collaborated in full with their captors, and an alarming amount stuck by their confessions on returning. 
And the U.S. was not just concerned with the POW statements about committing war crimes. The military saw POWs openly collaborating with the enemy, such as signing peace petitions and making anti-war statements, and there's paranoia that soldiers would return as double agents. Over 20 soldiers straight up declined repatriation back to the U.S. And this is out of like a few thousand. In total, that were captured was a few thousand. So 20, it's a decent amount. 20 of them were straight up like, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm staying here to live as a communist. Uh, at least one warned his mother not to believe any stories that he was forced or brainwashed to return, but that he would stand up for the rights of man and is being defiled by his government for that. So at the time, many people in the West were concerned that the reports were true, and some in the Anglican and Catholic churches spoke about visiting China and North Korea and seeing the results of the weapons themselves. The CIA, even recently de declassified documents of communications, showing the reactions of China and North Korea to being hit with biological weapons. Not to America, to each other. <laughs> so, you know, without anybody watching, and yeah. just China and North Korea both being like, hey, are you guys seeing some of the shit that we're finding after, like, American, like, bombing attacks? Um, so the U.S. would go on to seize any communications coming from the communist world to the United States and destroy it to cover up their crimes until the Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional in 1965 this is straight up repression like this is like <laughs> like this is you know people talk about communist countries having like no freedom of press or you know suppressing information to the populace this is what the u.s is doing uh so once mk ultra launched in earnest in 1953 the u.s was well aware that the claims that the pow's had burned brainwashed were false they knew them to be true that the confessions were true However, as is so often the case in American Cold War doctrine, the United States was themselves aiming to control the human mind through torture, deprivation, and drugs, and so they could head off any controversy by saying they were just trying to catch up to the nefarious communists who had already perfected the act. It was for national security. What they wanted to do with the American POWs was not deprogram them, but program them. Could you find a way to have an agent that didn't even know what they were doing? that would have amnesia from the act and never again have to deal with them committing war crimes and confessing over broadcast to the world. The Manchurian Candidate was always an American project, but it's not a communist one. During the Korean War, the American military had developed a program called SERI, Survival, Evasion, Resistance, Escape, that was used in mock prison training exercises to inoculate agents and soldiers against possible torture during capture. They built prison camp schools to run these drills, and this would decades later also be used by the CIA in the War on Terror. Uh, the, these prison camp schools would feature MKUltra Dr. Louis Jollyan West, more on him later, and Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Monroe. The psychological warfare divisions of the military ran these compounds, but as it turned out, some Canadian researchers in the 90s discovered that they were also to, quote, direct and supervise covert operations in the scope of unconventional bioweapons and chemical weapons operations and programs and the psychological aspects of BW and CW. BW, bioweapons, CW, CW chemical, chemical weapons. weapons. Got it. Yep. So this is from a memo. From... United States Air Force Major General Robert M. Lee. Mm. They've got memos found Damn. talking about this. If you got <clears throat> memos, I mean... From yeah. the United States Air Force talking about this shit. Like, Not yeah. a lot you can do. Yeah. So James Monroe, United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and MK Ultra figure, very likely was the leader of the, quote, interrogations of the returning POWs. He had been responsible for PSYOPs in World War II, which gained him fame for his leaflet propaganda drops. They called them Monroe Bombs. Uh, when Monroe left the USAF, he would go on to lead an organization that was a CIA front, and it's got the most CIA front name of all CIA fronts. The Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology. 
<laughs> later known as the Human Ecology Fund. Yeah, I mean, that sounds legit. Yeah, so this is a common practice that the CIA used and still uses in order to co covertly act globally and conduct research. They create uh, from whole cloth or get involved in already existing businesses and organizations that then become fronts for CIA research or that act as a means of the CIA hiding its activities. This is how, you know, you'll have people like, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush that you can know, know is in the CIA not uh, even when they say that he's not just because he you know is heading a company that is known to be a cia company that means that he's cia you know um so for instance the airline company air america which i'm sure many people have heard uh, was owned and operated by the cia and this was not even the only airline company they owned or still own so the human what, ecology what, what, what airlines do they still own uh I, there's like a list of them off the top of my head i couldn't tell you but southwest they, Sounds like a I, I don't think any situation. that big. Yeah, I don't. Oh, think okay. Any that big. They own Spirit. They own Spirit. I don't think so. But well, you know, fuck, so man? that like, what? I said, well, what the fuck, man? Dude, I don't know off the top of my head. I what don't do know which own? airlines they operate. I know Air America's the famous one. Okay. Um, but so the Human Ecology Society was a CIA cover for interactions with universities, scientists, and institutions around the con uh, the country, and oftentimes the assets did not know they were working for the CIA. Not everybody knew where the money was coming from. In his capacity with the Human Ecology Society, Monroe would sometimes report directly to DCI Alan Dulles and mm. later DCI Richard Helms. He was that fucking connected. Damn. It was also in this Human Ecology Society uh, that Monroe became a central MKUltra figure. It was infamous CIA psychologist John Gittinger, or uh, Gittinger, or Gittinger, I never know how to pronounce his name. Uh, we'll just say Gittinger that recruited him. So Monroe, as treasurer of the Human Ecology Society, had funneled tens of thousands of dollars to psychiatrist Ewan Cameron, who was running what? studies for... What? He was a Cameron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like you, Cameron Cameron. Well, no, so my first name is the last name in my family. I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a Cameron. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so who was running studies for the CIA under MKUltra Subproject 68 in Montreal, Canada, which included using LSD, barbiturates, electric shock, hypnosis, and inducing comas, this is a non-exhaustive list, by the way, to try and induce amnesia and fill in the resulting mental void with material invented by the CIA. This was the goal of MKUltra, at least at this stage, to find a way to turn people into unwitting sleeper agents. This is not science fiction. This is not paranoid schizoid ramblings. This is what the government was trying to accomplish in the 50s and 60s and 40s. And Cameron was not some fringe doctor. This fucking asshole was president of the American Psychiatric Association from 1952 to 1953. And from 58 to 59, he was president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association. Canada would pay millions decades later for his victims. And the CIA also settled out of court from a lawsuit. And this is really fucked up uh, story. So one typical example of this torture was Linda McDonald. She was a young wife with five children who entered Allen Memorial Hospital, part of Montreal's McGill University, for depression. Against her will, she signed no consent forms. She was heavily sedated and administered a psychological test. She was drugged into a coma for two and a half months and subjected to electroshock and depatterning tapes. When her husband, got, like, she would just be, like, sitting there, like, in a vegetative state with just these tapes constantly playing, trying to, like, give her a new personality a new new memories when her husband complained cameron threatened that she would be institutionalized forever if he did not consent nice the the patterning tapes were played for hours and days on end to the subjects even as they were comatose with the effort to implant new memories and feelings cameron called this psychic driving mcdonald had permanent amnesia and her memory of her past was gone forever upon leaving her treatment it worked uh, and this is why you should not at all believe the CIA when they say, yes, we did MK Ultra, but it did not work. That is a limited hangout. I think it worked far better than they care to admit. Like, it worked for her. They Yeah, they, they erased her mind. And they put a new one in. Yeah. <laughs> they turned her into a Manchurian candidate, you know? Yeah. Um... You know, just not one with a goal, but, you know... This right, is... exactly. Like, it wasn't, like, 100% successful, but that's not the same as saying that it failed. The process was successful. Yeah. They removed her old personality and gave a new one. Right. Um, 
So as I said earlier, the CIA's interest in mind control long predates the confessions of American POWs in Korea. Bluebird began no later than 1948, involved drugs and hypnosis during interrogation. By 53, um, Blue, or I think it was 52, Bluebird gave rise to artichoke, which expanded into LSD, amphetamines, barbiturates, and other substances, as well as electric shock with the goal of achieving total control over another living person as opposed to just interrogating them. So the process had changed. At first, they just wanted to get information. Then they're like, what if we can create a person that is incapable of giving information? So artichoke in particular aimed at amnesia. The greater the amnesia, the greater the results. The experiments typically included sedating subjects with barbiturates, scopolamine, alcohol, and other depressants, and then fucking them up with stimulants like benzodrine and methamphetamine, while hypnotizing and sensory depriving them, as well as using electroshock and then blasting them into the fucking stratosphere with LSD. Oh they would God. do this in order like this. Yeah. So N North Korean prisoners of war served as ideal test subjects, and they were. This was also commonly done in black populations in the U.S. and known prisoners. Again, what the U.S. is always blaming other countries for doing what they themselves are doing. It's pure projection. Like, imagine being as fucked up as you've ever been on anything, as vulnerable as you've ever been, and the fucking Sauron eye of the American state is holding you captive on that while subjecting you to insane and bizarre experimentation aimed at making you so fucking out of your mind that you don't even know which way is up and you just accept whatever thought is being put into your head. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <coughs> like, seriously, so, that, sounds, that sounds really, really good. I, yeah, I, good, honestly, good job, America. You're yeah, the good guys. I'm glad that, like, if, if somebody was going to do it, I'm glad it was us. I'm glad it's the global capitalist order doing it. Yeah. We're not just we're not just the first in, like, hot dog production. or It's good that we're, like, number one in something kind of tangible. And yeah, we're number one in fucking your shit into the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... Ugh. So, when the POWs who confessed returned to the U.S., they were kept in a cloistered community under the care of Lieutenant Colonel Robert Matthews, chair of the Joint Intelligence Processing Board, which included psychiatrists and psychologists, a military attorney, and senior officers. Matthew has, Matthews had authority over the confessors. He had served in the OSS, which is the wartime precursor to the CIA, before going into Army intelligence. There were other intelligence operatives involved in the community of confessors, including Colonel Boris Pash, who, it would decades later be revealed, had connections to a CIA assassination unit. He also was involved in finding Nazi scientists at the end of World War II, and I ain't saying that he was looking for them for prosecution. Right, he wanted to find them and be like, hey, you guys need a job? Yeah, <laughs> do you guys want to do some of that fucked up shit uh, for, for, for us? Yeah, we won't let you do it to Jewish people, but we'll let you do it to black people. Well, I mean, you can do it to Jewish people, but like not specifically. Yeah, yeah. We'll not because they're Jews. Like, if it, you do it, a good job, we'll we'll let you do it. <laughs> um, um, but the confessors would have their retractions written in part by this team of the community, having their initial retractions deemed not suitable enough. So they would be given the retractions, and then they would get uh, like you know, like you're like you're working on a document at work, and they would give you like Microsoft Word fucking track changes. Hey, I want you to put this in here, take this out. Do this, you know, change this wording, that kind of thing. A lot of the retractions even came under threat of prosecution as the men were being investigated for treason. So they'd say, if you don't retract, we will fucking court-martial your ass. Some of these... Uh, and there's only one reason that you would court-martial somebody who confessed while, while right. being a prisoner of war. You don't court-martial them for confessing lies while under torture. You court-martial them because they gave up fucking classified information. Right. Uh, they said some and true so, shit. Yeah. Some of these confessions to the, to the Chinese and Koreans reeked with classified information. And some were, like, extremely sensitive. Like, they were giving up what, like, American battle plans and shit. Even of the POWs that did not confess, during exchanges of prisoners, a huge proportion of the returning POWs, these are ones that didn't confess, they just dis openly discussed the fact that they had seen germ warfare being used. Some of them would say, but hey man, it's good that you're using against them fucking communist orientals, you know what I mean? Uh, and many also discussed America being the aggressor in the war. Some of the returning prisoners were declared hardcore communist, 
some believed to be under indoctrination, and a third group was named Neutral. The CIA was concerned that the first two groups were going to be involved in communist sabotage once they returned to the U.S., and Sidney Gottlieb mentioned a number of times in this podcast history, and the man that basically led MKUltra and its related experiments was interested in applying artichoke to these returning POWs under the cover of medical care. Among the connections to the interrogations and work with returning POWs was not just Sidney Gottlieb, but the Pentagon's Research and Development Board, which was involved with the U.S. granting amnesty to Japan's infamous Unit 731, which was their bioweapons research office in Manchuria during World War II. The connections to Artichoke, Unit 731, and other mind control work are myriad. I won't keep listing them all here, but I will as always let everyone know where to read more at the end of the episode. John Schwab, former director of Fort Detrick Special Operations Division during the Korean War. Again, Fort Detrick is where they do their bioweapon shit, like MK Naomi. Uh, testified under oath in 1959 that the U.S. had offensive bioweapons as early as January 1949. And they had entomologists working with the military as early as 1948 for the delivery of insect vector bioweapons. This was likely from Unit 731. Dr. Noyes, an entomologist with the government, said that other U.S. agencies were working on insect vector bioweapons under the guise of insect control. Hey, listen! Once again, spook alarms for the U.S. talking about the biolabs in Ukraine being for research. Mm. All I'm going to say is, I don't, I don't know even yet if I believe the, the shit in Ukraine, but saying that it's for research is a long-standing tactic of the U.S. when it's really for offensive research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is research. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. what, uh, what are you guys Yeah, we're using it for insect control. Yeah, to control them, to use them as bombs. <laughs> like, yeah. um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read an excerpt from Jeff K's piece about biowarfare and mind control in the Korean War that I will fully cite later because this is basically where I'm getting 90% of this episode from. This is about an FBI memorandum from a meeting of the Haskin Committee on Biological Warfare, dated 1949. One of the CIA presenters, Dr. Willard Mackley, was chief of CIA's scientific branch and most likely also a member of Haskin's ad hoc committee. What was bizarre about this presentation, besides its content, uh, was how CIA mind control work was part of the U.S. Biological Warfare Project from the very beginning. The main meeting included guests like Dr. Irving Janis, Yale Department of Psychology, and Dr. A.H. Corwin, director of the Chemical Laboratory at Johns Hopkins University. Only a month before, Janis had authored a report for the RAND Corporation on his belief the Soviets were using hypnosis to implant memories in people. Hypnotic techniques, Janis hypothesized, were being used by police agents to produce false confessions. Mackley and his co-presenter, J.C. Baxter Jr., told the committee that the information on the CIA's interrogation research was quote, very closely held, and his committee was the first group outside of CIA to be informed of the project. Even the FBI and the Army's counterintelligence corps had not been briefed on it, the CIA having withheld queries for the cooperation of other government agencies until, quote, techniques for positive control of the experimental subjects had been validated. We want to learn how to do that shit. That's basically what he's saying there. Uh, so back to quoting. Mackley said he expected such validation. Uh, Wood was not too far off. He wanted the committee's uh, support for a program of vigorous exploration of these techniques. The techniques about which the committee expressed considerable interest concerned various methods of isolation of the subconscious mind, particularly in the use of drugs as an aid to hypnotic techniques. You can almost see Dr. Janus vigorously nodding his head at this. According to the minutes of the meeting, which was, it is worth recalling, organized to study the potential of biological weapons as a means of unconventional warfare, including sabotage, we read this. Several possible uses of such techniques by unfriendly parties were covered in Mackley's presentation. These included the extraction of classified information from an individual through subconscious isolation and detailed interrogation through regression. A simple means for the reproduction of the, of the subconscious state was explained and the process of subconscious assignment covered, pointing out the possibilities of espionage and sabotage guidance by U.S. personnel through domination by foreign technicians. The possibilities of instilling of false information into and the eradication of information from the conscious memory were cited. Details were given concerning negative visual hallucinations and the surveillance possibly, uh, possibility involved. The possible destruction and the recreation of personality and character traits were explained. 
According to an undated CIA document, see a transcription of this document for greater clarity, subconscious isolation was a method of exerting immediate or prolonged influence on the subconscious mind. Induction of subconscious isolation was via use of fixed attention, hypnosis, emotional stimulation, possibly threat or what CIA called emergency, drugs, including surreptitious administering, sleep conversion, and shock treatment, both insulin and electrical. The language of the terminology subconscious isolation regression indicated that CIA saw the mind as composed of substructures that could be dissociated from each other, and that such dissociation occurred when the subject was in a physical or psychologically regressed state. This is consistent with theories of neuropsychology then known, and also with the psychoanalytic theories of Freud and his followers. The theory of the CIA mind control psychologists and psychiatrists was that the dissociable portions of the subconscious mind could then be isolated, manipulated, and controlled via use of hypnotic measures, while nervous system shock, or states of normal human regression like sleep or use of drugs, were used to spur the initial dissociation. Covert commands and false memories then could be inserted into the mind via hypnosis, and discrete or global amnesias created. Meanwhile, CIA worried greatly that U.S. adversaries would discover this or had already discovered this. The preoccupation of the CIA with mind control has never disappeared. And so there's a lot there. Mm. But what's crazy, again, is that immediately the CIA saw both bioweapons and mind control as two things to be looked at simultaneously right i'm not entirely sure of what to make of it but i do think back to like mk naomi which was probably the project where the pont saint esprit attack was done where a village an entire village was dosed with lsd and later on the united states would create bombs using lsd's fucking psychotic uh older cousin bz uh, which is so psychotic that like a single trip of the drug would probably destroy somebody's mind and using that as a bioweapon and you start to, I don't know, there's a lot of different places to look, but you know, are they considering using bioweapons of, you know, for mind control and shit? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. man, fuck. <laughs> like, it's just like, holy, <sighs> like what the fuck were these people doing? Yeah. And, like, how are they justifying these things to themselves? Uh, but... It's, dude, it's hard. It, fuck. Like, yeah. My eyes, my eyes are crossed. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Um, but this is what I'm saying, where it's, like, it's a limited hangout saying this shit didn't work. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, I think it worked quite well uh, in a lot of ways. You know, they're on top now, and there's nobody real going against them you know and i personally mm -hmm. i think that maybe mk ultra morphed into things like technology especially like the internet and the way that algorithms work on the internet yeah but regardless Ugh. um you know so the project artichoke artichoke team was absolutely involved in the interrogations of these prisoners when they returned it prepared a program of drugging them with sodium pentothal and meth sodium pentothal that's supposed to be the truth serum you know um followed by hypnosis, as well as using a new special chemical that has been redacted in all CIA documents, you know, what it was. So, that's what I'm saying. This new special chemical, they ain't ever releasing the name of it. Right. <laughs> Fuck, man. Yeah, so let's take a look at some of the uh, MKUltra scientists and lessons involved. Gottlieb was involved in the interrogations with this mystery drug, and the drugs were to be administered one at a time, one after another, although this program eventually was not adopted. But then it's still a different terrible one was performed. 
Still, this shows the level to which the CIA was prepared to handle the POWs and extract information and change their memories. It was the Surgeon General who stepped off the use of artichoke on them, except an artichoke conference's minutes later on apparently would allude to some CIA officials getting involved with artichoke te techniques at one point and getting in there. Uh, so the two spooks were the infamous Morse Allen and the man I mentioned earlier, fucking Dr. Lewis Jollyan West, commonly known as Jolly West. Dr. Jolly West. Uh, he is basically the rock star of MKUltra and is tied to just about mm. everything, including I fucking shit you not. This is 100% true. And this is like one of those moments when you learn about it that like you almost just like want to just whip whatever's closest to you against the wall. So Jack Ruby, after he kills Lee Harvey Oswald, he is court-ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. The guy who is able to get snuck in by the CIA is Jolly West, who meets with him one time. Yeah. Jack Ruby is still coherent, a normal person, after killing Lee Harvey Oswald. He has one psychiatric evaluation and is rendered mute. He is so psychotic afterwards that he can't stand trial. He can't even fucking talk. He is completely out to lunch. The rest of his life. Damn. He had one meeting with Jolly what West. Do you, what, do you, what do you think he gave him? Oh, he just, he MK-Ultra'd him. I mean, he probably gave him whatever, maybe that new special chemical. He gave him the cocktail that they know how to use, that they know fucking ends you. That ends you as you. One meeting, and he's done. And now they fucking sealed up, sealed off. And now it's like, oh, Jack Ruby's insane. Guess he he's just got to go into an insane asylum. Unbelievable. <laughs> One meeting with this fucking dude, and his name is Jolly. Oh, like, like come the fuck on, man. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jolly West is also tied to, like, everything going on in the Bay Area of California in the 60s, including he gets tied to fucking um, the Manson family. Nice. Uh, so anyway, his name is constantly comes up when researching CIA mind control and MK Ultra. But yeah, dude, the fucking Jack Ruby thing, it's just like they're fucking like like they're 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 taunting you at that point. So uh, you know, a meeting occurred uh that included at least Alan Dulles and J. Edgar Hoover about the quote treason of the POWs. Again, it's not treason if you know you're tortured into you know right. giving up certain information. They gave up actionable shit and the artichoke worked on on them uh uh was it i was also in the, the this meeting minutes and this was proven through an fbi memorandum as i said jolly west was an mk ultraman through and through working especially with techniques for implanting false information into subjects or even inducing mental disorders these were not the only men involved in the interrogations that were cia or had connections to cia there are a long list of them involved and more can be found in the ksa what becomes apparent in these interrogations, however, is not just that the POWs were subjected to incredibly lengthy, lengthy sessions, but their family and friends were brought into the, into the fold as well. Uh, and of course, another connection between bioweapons and mind control would come about in the form of MK Naomi, which we discussed in the Pont Saint Esprit episode, developing biological weapons that can be used to disorient or control the mind of enemies. These two programs have always been linked since their inception, and the Korean War is just one instance of when they were both utilized by America. <coughs> Excuse me. The United States would go on a rampaging campaign during the war and suppressing any information about the German warfare going on in Korea, including by Western observers. They also found that some of the information given up in the confessions was strategically damaging to the U.S., meaning it could not be fake. And one of the men involved in the interrogations and detaining of the POWs was James Monroe, an MK Ultra man who was involved in certain PSYOP campaigns in Korea. All in all, the evidence is pretty overwhelming that the United States engaged in both biological and brain warfare in the Korean War, including against its own. One thing I would like to note about the Korean War, America in general had a scorched earth policy for the peninsula, indiscriminately bombing both North and South Korea throughout the war. Up to 5 million people died in the war, and about 10% of them were civilians. There were direct quotes by American military commanders of them napopping entire villages and groups of villages and then making light of the atrocity of such an action afterwards. It was total war, much like Vietnam, and it is known as the Forgotten War, because at the time, America still had the sheen of them uh, on them for World War II. 
But less than two decades later, that would be gone as Vietnam became a second Korea, and this time it was much more obvious to everyone that America were the aggressors, invading a foreign land with hostility and without cause. And so that's one thing that I really want to hammer home here. Yeah. You know, about all of these awful things that America was doing to its own people at the time, you know, they essentially genocided this peninsula. Uh, all, all, you know, again, because they had the fucking balls to decide that they didn't want to be in the American global order. And 5 million of them died because of this. 10% of which are civilians, which is so much higher than you ever see in any other war. Because America was just carpet bombing villages and cities of fucking civilian targets. And you know what? They proved that they're willing to do it when they did that to Japan just to send a message to the Soviet Union. Which is what that was as well. Hiroshima and Nagasaki wasn't about saving off an invasion. They were already in talks to have Japan fucking surrender. But America wanted unconditional surrender to them alone. And they didn't want Japan falling into the Soviet camp. And there were designs by the Japanese to surrender to the Soviets because they believed the Soviets would be fairer to them. And so that's what America was becoming at this time. They were willing to kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of civilians to get what they fucking wanted. And that's the real story of this. Insane. Insane. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. I love it. It's not a fun episode. I mean, when are they? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the history that we tell on this podcast is largely Mm -hmm. people doing really not nice things to each other. Yeah, we're not really interested in uh, the history of being dope. Yeah. The history of being a super cool guy. Yeah, a a super cool, awesome guy that everybody likes and who's totally cool and decent to people. Yeah, we're not, we're not incredibly invested in that so yeah so anyway um so my sources for this episode uh the main one uh is the essay by jeffrey k cia mk ultra and the cover-up of u.s germ warfare in the korean war Uh, it was initially published in counterpunch um although he published it i believe on his own uh like wordpress or something like that we'll link uh, we'll link to it on the show notes uh i also used a little bit of the excellent book the search of the manchurian candidate by john marks uh, it is, uh, John Marks was a former intelligence officer for the State Department, uh, who became one of the initial, um, researchers about CIA crimes, uh, back in the 70s. So his book is basically, like, the first, like, one of the first big ones that came out. Uh, you know, some of the stuff in it is a little outdated. Uh, just, you know, more research has been done since then, but it's still a great, great book. An excellent primer on MK Ultra. Uh, and then I used a very tiny bit of Killing Hope by William Blum as well. So those are my sources. Um, and if you'd like to learn more, uh, I recommend all. Sweet. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, so yeah, it, the... as always, these are uh, some of my favorite and, like, least favorite episodes. Yeah. They're yeah, I mean, yeah, with depressing. some of this stuff. They always, <laughs> they always make me feel yeah. terrible, but... Yeah, I, at times, I you know, when I read these books like this, there are definitely periods that I put the books down for weeks, if not months on end, because it, it becomes difficult sometimes to constantly read about this shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, some of the accounts, yeah, it's difficult, and you, know, it's, you have to be like, all right, you know what, I'm going to do something else for a little bit, and then you go back to it. But, yeah. But here we are. Here we are. We made it. Yep. Anyway, uh, you know, if you liked this or any of our other episodes, thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to help out, please uh, rate and review us uh, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, you know, whatever your your app of choice is for podcasts, wherever you go for podcasts. And please, please. tell tell your friends uh, about us. You know, we spread by word of mouth. So that's uh, the best, you know, the th- if you could do anything for us, it would be those two things. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, there's nothing else. I guess uh, we'll get out of <laughs> here until me. next time. Yeah, sounds about right. All right, dude. Dude, thank you so much. See you guys yeah. next week. Peace.